Welcome to Basketball on Figueroa, the only podcast breaking down everything happening with the Lakers, Clippers, and Sparks. I'm your host, Edward Garcia, and joining me today is my co-host, Darian Viziri, a.k.a. Dime Dropper. Dime, how you doing, man? No, actually, Edwin, I've not been in the best mood today. Been way too annoyed with stands in my comment section on YouTube because, you know, me, I try to... I try to answer everyone's comment on Logged On Clippers or on uh, Dime Dropper. There are very few comments that I ignore. So I try to give everybody, you know, a chance and give them the attention from commenting on my video and supporting. But then that comes with me actually getting invested in reading these comments. And I see all these stands. I just have these skewed views. And I'm just like so angry. And I'm like, God, this is awful. But other than that, I'm happy to be talking to a team fan tonight. How you been? <laughs> I've been good, man. Uh, yeah, those are balance. Uh, I work really hard on uh, commenting as much as I can. But, for example, uh, I'll just make up one. But, like, if I write an article and, like, I say AD played poor and 18 people are like, I disagree. After about the seventh or eighth, I'm like, okay, I've answered. I've defended my same. It's not, the, it's not all those people's fault because they don't know I've had this conversation seven times in the last 15 minutes. But for me, I'm like, okay, how many more times am I going to try to explain what I've already explained? So I think I think it's a balance. You want to make sure people know, hey, I'm a real person and I will respond. And this is my community. I'm going to make it, you know, something that I'm part of. And part of it also gets at one point, it just gets out of hand. You're like, hey, you know what? Unless they're being, since if they're not being toxic, toxic, and it's just annoying, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to let it ride because I'm like, I can't explain <laughs> for the 18th time why this was a bad AD game, but that's okay. Like, I already did that a few times. So that's my li- little advice to you on that. But yeah, it can definitely be a tough thing. It's easier, to, and I, I give you props for that because it's easier to just say, well, whatever, they're, they're commenting. I'm just going to leave it alone. But I like the fact that you're in there and you're getting into it. Just make sure, you know, um, as Jay-Z once said, uh, a wise man told me, don't argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who is who. So just keep that in mind <laughs> when you're yeah, in the trenches there. Don't, don't get lost to the point where it's like, wait, I don't know. I just see two people yelling. Who's the idiot? I'm, I'm starting to get confused. But uh, but uh, but yeah, props to you for doing that. And uh, yeah, of course, it can it can kind of be tricky. I got to do what you said, oh, though. No, I got to do what you said. Just let, let it just ignore it sometimes. Like, just forget it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you addressed a couple people. I don't know. We all have our limit. But once you're like, okay, I've said it enough. It's like, okay, cool. I've said it enough. Uh, it's not even that, dude. I didn't think about it. Right now, I have four different, not really Paul George, but three different, like, guys with stand bases. Yes. Like, it, you guys have two. I mean, I know D'Lo has his uh, cult of fans, but it's, I don't think it's that large. Yeah. LeBron and AD. I don't know. Is there, are there a lot of AD stands? I mean, LeBron stands are the biggest hive of them all. Not right like now. that. Like AD, I feel like the general Lakers fans, you know, love AD and they fight for him, but they also say, hey, like he wasn't he wasn't there today, you know? And I yeah. feel like you're right. There's LeBron stands who it doesn't matter. LeBron's the GOAT. And and as you know, with the Russ stuff, you know, there are the people who's like, oh, it doesn't make a difference. It's never their fault. It's always something else. And that's what gets infuriating when you're like, no, I'm watching the game. Like, can we be fair? And they're like, no. It's the coach. It's the whatever, and it's like, it's, yeah, you know. <laughs> sometimes it's it's us, you know, and that that includes those star players. They're, they're not perfect, you know. LeBron doesn't, you know, go nineteen for nineteen every night. He misses shots. That's okay. Like we can we can admit that. Like it doesn't have to be this big deal. But you know, agenda's got an agenda, right? Yeah, Kawhi's are horrible. <laughs> they're horrible. Yeah, I can imagine. So another thing that's really gotten me really excited today, and I want to start this and then we're going to go into the games, is 
the NBA season tournament is something we are continuing to talk about, and we're definitely going to talk about more today because the Lakers are still in it, and also the NBA in-season tournament is not over, so it'll, it'll probably be something we talk about for a couple more weeks until it really wraps up, you know, this upcoming weekend. But I didn't even realize the Celtics were playing tonight, and dying. Watching the Celtics do what the Celtics do, which is collapse when the pressure is truly on, when you can actually win something, something of significance. All I've known my life, I've seen the history, just like you. I've seen the history. I've studied it. I've watched it. I've seen the 30 for 30s. But you know what? That's what I have to do. I have to go in a time machine through YouTube or ESPN documentaries or here or, or go to a library and, and rent the hard paper cover of the Times and read about Celtics legacy because when I turn on the television and I stream it I do not see it it is not present you know what is present the Celtics folding again and again and again like a burnt out gambler in Vegas who just doesn't understand it's not going to be your night it's not going to turn around you're not going to hit 21 four times in a row and recoup what you've lost quit while you're behind Boston and I saw it again today I saw it again with who the Indiana Pacers Shout out to Larry Bird's favorite team, the Indiana Pacers. They went out Oh, man. That was below the belt. Business. They took care of business. Halliburton just put on the show. And Jason Tatum, I love the guy. He's a great player. But also, he did what he always does. Oh, turnover late in the game just when they thought they could rally back. Guess what? You're not going to rally back. And Celtics fans who are like, I don't care that we lost today. I don't care that we got burnt out by the heat in the fight in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't care that we lost the NBA Finals the year before that. And I don't care that in 2020 we failed to make that finals. Guess what? I'm glad you don't care because you're not going to win anything anymore. You've won one championship in my entire existence and it spans beyond three decades. I'll be hitting four in a few years. And guess what? I don't think that number is going to change. You might have 17, but in my lifetime, you've gotten one. That was on us. And we got our lick back in 2010. Wow. There you go. That was was your most epic rant I've ever heard in my entire life. We we have to make that one go viral. Oh, I'll give you that one. (laughs) In the beginning, yeah, we have to. In the beginning, I was like, damn, you're really going to say that about a team with 17 rings? But then you you prefaced it by saying in your lifetime that spans three decades, and that, that's a fact. I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate. Celtics have always, besides the 90s, they've been very good, yeah. but they have fallen short outside of 2008. Like, there's legitimately cel- – you know, it's funny because I went to school in Massachusetts, so I was Sorry around – no, it was the best. But uh, <laughs> just for being around Celtics fans, sure. they have a totally different arrogance than Laker fans. Laker fans of my generation are way more arrogant because they've seen more success. They had Kobe. The way that they are, arrogant-wise, is a, is like how they are about the Patriots and Tom Brady. But when mm-hmm. it comes to the Celtics, they don't have that much confidence. Like, they act like they're like, oh, you know, like they're wine. You know what I mean? Like, we always – like, why does this always happen to us? I'm like, dude, you have 17 rings. Like, quit your crying. But to them, it's like we haven't won. We've only won once since, as you said. So it's totally different. Uh, the Laker fans that I've grown up with have just experienced a lot better. But, yeah, man, I mean, that was pretty epic. And I love, you know, it's always good to hear, especially with all this too much Laker Clipper toxicity for not even being like, being like a real NBA rivalry in the history books. Sure. See a, a nice lay into the Celtics or Celtics fans lay into the Lakers. I, I always love to see it. So, 
That was amazing. Yeah, I mean, credit to the Pacers, yeah, man. I think the, the biggest shot in that whole thing was Larry Bird's favorite team. Oh, my God. That's going to hurt, I mean, man. Larry you know, Bird. he's from Indiana. He coached there. You know, I'm, I'm sure if it was up to him, he would have been a Pacer instead of a Celtic. But anyways. He, he, he probably – oh, he, he would have rather been a Pacer definitely over anything. But, man, when that guy hits the deck, I think he bleeds green and white. Yeah. Larry. Fair, fair. <laughs> All right. What's on the All agenda? Right. Let's get into it. So we're going to start with a, a Lakers W, an actual W, not like today's W where it was celebrating uh, Boston's uh, departure. Uh, it was Lakers-Detroit, uh, 133-107. That that kicked off uh, this week's action here, um, uh, beating the Detroit Pistons. Uh, again, I'm pulling up the stats here for myself to remember. Yeah, this is a, a, a great D'Lo game, right? You've been talking about D'Lo and how he's been. 35 points, an absolute bucket. And what I, one thing I love about D'Lo that I, I think it does get talked about, but not enough. We hear a lot about, you know, he's icy and he's hot. But, man, his handles. He had some – he had this nasty crossover step back. Like, no, not, not to trick you there, but like a James Harden step back three, like in the third quarter, like – I literally was at home and I like yelped. I was like, oh my God, like he really did that. He put the moves on him, put him on skates. Dude was half on the ground and then he hit the three. And I'm like, oh, he's really, he's really feeling it. And he had a great game. He's definitely the reason the Lakers cruised to victory here, 133, uh, 107. So I'd love to hear your thoughts here uh, on this matchup. And if you want, if you saw it and two, like if you did, uh, what you, what you thought about D'Lo's uh, play here? That was the game against Detroit, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Oh, I, I did watch that game. And, you know, one thing I noticed was the Pistons don't have outside shooting. But D'Lo and AD just were amazing from the jump. AD was getting really good post position, ceiling deep. And that's one thing I've talked about with AD this year is, like, he's really – his mid-range and his, his jump shot has not been fantastic. You know, he's really scoring mainly in the paint right now around the basket. And you don't want him to just be a pick-and-roll guy or a lob just a lob threat and just a, a guy that's feeding off everyone's plate. You know, you want him to be able to get his own. And I think if, when he catches the ball close to the basket, like on the block, you know, within 10 feet, you're probably going to get a good look from him. And it's pretty hard to stop him. And I like when he, it's all about AD's body language and how, what kind of mood he's in that night offensively. You know, you're getting the great defense, but when he's in that mode offensively, he's one of the best players in the league. Um, as far as D'Angelo Russell, you know, the haters or the not the haters, but the people that are skeptical of him will say he's only doing it against a bad team. But we'll see. You know, it's a process for the Lakers. There's no such thing as a bad win and to win in commanding fashion with LeBron. Didn't even have to do that much. That's always mm -hmm. a plus. So, really, and also that was the return of Cam Reddish. And it's good to have him back for uh, if you're a Laker fan with the way he's played this season. And one thing I, I've been very uh, attentive of is we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet. Cam Reddish's backcourt out of nowhere steals and forcing turnovers this season. That's uh, yeah, he's been, been great at deflections too. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, just coming out of nowhere when when guys in the backcourt aren't expecting it. So good win for the Lakers, taking care of business. Detroit in a state of disarray. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, you know, they've lost like what sixteen in a row, seventeen in a row at this point. I don't know. I, I'm not. Sure. I don't know off the top of my head the record in the NBA, but they they've got to at least be sixty percent there. I think it's like thirty three or something like that. So. They're well on their way. That's that's not a record you want to be a part of. And yeah, they just can't get it together. I know that they're they're rebuilding and they're working on you know starting from scratch, building assets and going through that whole thing. It's going to be a, a multi year process. But you would think they could get a win here and there. And they, they started two and one, which is surprising. We were all like, at least I was like, oh, that's nice. And it's like, oh, <laughs> little did I know. Okay, that's it. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Those two wins that first week was like 
everything. You should just turn it off and and you know come back. You know in in the in the spring, maybe you can win some games when other teams are resting or something. It's been rough, and uh, yeah, the Lakers took advantage, like you said, the D low AD. Uh, the chemistry they have is incredible, and I think these kind of games, like you said, are a reminder of why you got to be careful if you do trade D'Lo away because this is what the, his best version is, and he's shown it to you. And he's also taken the Lakers at least to the Western Conference Finals. I know he flamed out there, but he took them there, and you got to be careful whoever you bring in, like a Zach Levine. Can he reach those heights on a consistent basis? Can he reach those heights in games that matter? We haven't really seen Levine. It's not his fault necessarily, but. He hasn't been in those kind of big level games. You know, I was joking about the Celtics and big level games, but as you know, you learn a lot about players and teams and coaches and all of that in those high pressure moments. I've seen D'Lo falter in the final in Western Conference Finals, but I also saw him be the reason the Lakers beat the Warriors. So I've seen that. And other players, when you when you don't know yet, when you you, you assume you're taking a big risk on something that you know can at least work this amount, and another one that you don't know, and also. D'Lo's been pretty good, like we've said, consistently this year, better defensively. He's just been more engaged. He's been more where you want him to be. That, and that That's what I tell people when I say, okay, you're going to trade for him. Keep in mind, because this is the good version. You're giving that up too, not just the bad, and, and you it's something to think about. Uh, now, for the Clippers, they also played. We had our all our games were like in tandem together, even though you know we were in different stadiums and things of that nature. But we had Clippers at Sacramento. And this was one I think that I thought the, the Kings would take care of business. And I think you actually picked the Clippers uh and they actually took care of business. They won uh I don't think I did. 31. Oh you didn't pick them? No. So we, we had no one believed in <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what they surprised us in 131, 117. Uh the reason they they surprised me is I still thought that the the Kings have just been so good at home. You know, they've been good for a couple years now, but I just thought they would take care of business. Uh, what did you see here? Why were we wrong? What did the Clippers do right to get this victory? This was maybe the best game of the season for the Clippers and the worst game I've seen the Kings play in the Mike Brown era, straight up. Like, they looked tired from the back-to-back. They had that previous game against Golden State. I think that was the Malik Monk game winner in the in-season tournament. Yeah, that's right. So that took the life out of them. And they couldn't get stops. And so they couldn't get out in transition. And I got to give James Harden credit. That was probably – he might have been his best game as a Clipper. He was really aggressive. And he was actually looking at the basket. And when he made a couple of opening uh, you know, threes to open up the game, he started just looking to get downhill more in the pick and rolls. And, you know, they're starting to guard him tighter. So I thought uh, he was awesome. And then Kawhi was really good. I think that was his best game of the season too. He had like 34 points on like yep. 14 for 18 shooting. He was yep. awesome. So just a really solid – that was maybe the best offensive performance the Clippers had. Defense was solid. Um, I think Zubats – oh, Zubats locked up Sabonis. Sabonis had like a terribly inefficient game. I don't have the stats in front of me, but that that's what really stood out to me in that game. It was a great game for Kawhi, a great game for James Harden, and Paul George played solid defense. I don't remember how Russ played much in that game. I think he played well in the second half, but – how many minutes did he get? Do you have the stats up? Yeah, 19. 19 minutes. Uh, nine points, two for six. Uh, five for six from uh, the free throw line. Eight assists, though, and uh, five oh, rebounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was he he wasn't bad in that game at all. So I think that was the, that was a solid balance of all four of them uh, playing pretty well. Of course, the Russ fans yeah. aren't going to like the 19 minutes. You know, they're always going to complain about that. But sure. it was good. It was the best performance, and it just shows that the Clippers do have potential to be one of the best teams in the league. But the consistency, that makes the difference. 
No, yeah, hundred percent. You're right. The consistency makes a difference. Like you said, five players in in double figures for this one. Um, I think what stands out to me is, like you said, the Sabonis thing. I mean, I've, I've seen Sabonis torch um, pretty good bigs before, <laughs> and live in person. Uh, he was three for twelve, and he played thirty one minutes. So there really was, you know, no justification for that except that his defender was, you know, making him harder uh, opportunities to score there, and that's why he had nine missed field goals compared to three that he converted. And and like you said, that was um the the best that the maybe maybe the clippers play uh and definitely a really really quality win again all, all wins count the same but the context does matter and you want your team to do well against teams that are on paper good because that shows okay cool when we play the best teams we can we can step up and and you know hold our own and the clippers definitely did more than that they won the game so that's what you want to see uh now moving back to the lakers they uh finished their road trip at oklahoma city and man this was the one it was just uh um, it was just an ugly game, ugly game to watch. Uh, the team just looked tired. They looked like they were done. They looked like they were at the end of a road trip and they were like, all right, like whatever happens, happens. I mean, they got punched in the mouth and just didn't, didn't respond in that second quarter, 42, 32, 23 quarter. That was the big swing. They actually were up in the first quarter. They're almost never leading at the end of the first quarter. They have a minus 3.6 point differential on the first quarter alone, you know, all season. It's the only, it's the only quarter, uh, that they are negative. Everything else, they're positive. It's literally their worst quarter. And they had, they finally had a good one. They only had like three or four this year. And they just gave it up in the second quarter. And that was it. Um, yeah, to me, that's all it was. I mean, not to make excuses, but it was just like, hey, like, you're, you're tired, you're tired. And, you know, they, they just didn't have it enough to kind of get going. Uh, AD was great. He had 31 points. But again, uh, he was like the only one that kind of, you know, had the... I wouldn't say appropriate energy, but just kind of gave the kind of performance you expect from him. And, you know, uh, Shea was Shea, you know, 33 points. He went to the line a lot. He had 10 free throws. He converted all of them. So, again, if you're going to give Shea that kind of, you know, um, that whistle, he's going to, you know, make you pay for it. And he definitely did. Uh, the Lakers had a lot of success last year uh, guarding uh, Shea with Vando, but Vando wasn't there. So he really was like, okay, great. So it's just the guards. He's like, I'm going to bully these guys and, and I'll just, I'll just, you know, deal with AD when I have to deal with him. And, and he pick and chose his spots perfectly. They kind of just dominate there. Uh, did you get a chance to watch this one? What did you think about uh, OKC Lakers here? I did. Um, it's funny because the Lakers had a great first quarter. Like they yeah. were on top of them in the first quarter. D'Lo and AD came out really, really good. But the transition defense for the Lakers was horrendous. Like every, they had a really cold second quarter and you could just see OKC's youth. Like Jalen Williams had a really good start to that second quarter. And the most, I mean, obviously I know SGA is going to get his LeBron didn't start really showing up till the third quarter when he started making threes and the Lakers cut it down to 13, which I thought was like, they didn't totally roll over and die, but there was yeah. that play. It was a sequence. Isaiah Joe blocked an AD dunk in the fourth quarter when it was like, I think one Oh seven to one twenty, And then, Lou Dort made a transition three and that was basically the end of the game. But um, what stood out to me actually was Chet Holmgren giving Anthony Davis problems in the beginning of that third quarter. And that's not even to say that AD was playing bad defense. It's really hard to guard that Chet Holmgren SGA pick and pop. Like you need yeah. to stop SGA from going downhill. Lakers are missing a good point of attack guys. You said in Vando and I mean, AD helps. Chet picking pick like pops out. It's really hard to cover that space for anybody. A pick and pop in NBA, you know, just the history of the NBA is hard to guard. So you need to have someone rotating. And with how spaced out today's NBA is, it makes things very hard. And Chet, even the times that AD did close out, you know, his ability to pump fake, take a dribble or two in for a pull up, 
He even had that turnaround on him and won. I was really impressed, man. These rookies like Blake Griffin and, and uh, Ben Simmons and Chet that basically are like sophomores, but it's their first taste of playing in the NBA, but they've been around an NBA team for a whole year. They're not real rookies, and they never have that kind of um, – like they play with more confidence than normal rookies. Yeah. All three of them did. Even Ben Simmons, who – confidence in Ben Simmons these days is a topic of – it's a topic for another day. But starting out, he was like – you know, he seemed very comfortable that first game so and that first season. So, yeah, very impressive. The Thunder, they're the real deal, man. Yeah, no, I, I mean they, they've been they've been asset um, building and growing, and they have I don't even know how many first and second round picks they have coming up in the next three to five years. Uh, but they, they have a, a a war chest that they're building there, and, and slowly it's it's starting to come together. Like you said, we we saw chat. I think I think I would love to ask one of those guys. Maybe maybe the next time they come to town for a Lakers game, I can actually sit down and ask them. You know why they think they have that confidence. The the closest kind of guess I have without actually asking one of those guys is that. I think the fact that they've made the league and they're they're sitting there talking, I think they feel comfortable. They're able to go through, this is what our schedule's like. This is what the flights are like. This is what the cities are like. This is what our routine for game day is like. Without playing, they're not playing, but since they're most of them are still sitting on, on the, back, the end of the bench, they still get to get that, and you kind of get the I've been at this job feeling for a year without actually doing it. It's kind of the same reason why uh, there's always that philosophy in football. Is it better to let them play or let them sit? Well, if you let them sit, he can – just get all the information without the pressure. And then when he plays, he's more ready because he's had a whole year to just study, study, study and practice, you know, in a protected environment versus just low, just have him throw out there and, you know, he's going to see defenses he's never seen and he's going to get overwhelmed. Uh, obviously, you know, NFL quarterback technically, at least to most people, is a little more complicated than like a transition to the NBA. But the, the logic's there of if they sit and they watch, they can, they can see more. And it kind of reminds us of back in the day when uh, players didn't sit, but they had two, three years of, college against also other players with two, three years of college, it was a better experience. So even those rookies were more polished because they had, you know, they were playing like, you know, Patrick Ewing for like three years who was in Georgetown. And like, it just, a, it was just a higher level of basketball even before. So yeah, it, it, it's a good thing. It's interesting you point out that, yeah, uh, obviously Chet's not a regular rookie because of that, but also that might be a reason why he feels more comfortable, comfortable, more confident, kind of knows where his spots should be. Cause he's been able to see like on the court, his teammates playing for like 80 games and, and kind of understands it a little bit better. Do you think, um, um, I was going to, I was going to uh, ask, um, do you know, I was looking this up yesterday. Do you know who the last number one overall pick was that spent more than one year in college? So like, obviously this doesn't count Wemby because he didn't go to college. That's a great question. Okay. So like the last non one and done guy. Uh, man, I wanted to say Okafor, but he was drafted second. He was uh, didn't Okafor didn't come out of high school? No, no, he played for he he wanted he was with UConn. Um, okay. yeah, he was with UConn. You're right, but I'm not sure if he played two years. I think he did play. I think he played two or three. It's not him though. Not, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not him. him because he was the same year as Dwight Howard, and Dwight Howard went one. Um, let me maybe I'm maybe I'm going too far back. Let me go a little. You're right. Back. He did go to UConn. Uh huh. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the golden years for me uh, of college basketball. That was my favorite era, like Melo, Okafor, uh, Hakeem Warwick, all that, all those guys. That that was a good time. Uh, the uh, fighting Illini with uh, you know Luther Head and D Brown and all them. That that's like my my favorite. Like you know I was growing up still and stuff. All right, so let me see. Okay, Lonzo Tatum. No, they were 
Man, I'm trying to think. So the, the, the question is, when's the last time a number one pick went played more than one year of college ball? So two and up? Yeah. Yep. I'm going to give myself like 10 more seconds, and then I'm, I'm going to wave the white flag or just throw a name out there. Uh, right. Let's see. So we got Wamby. Oh, man. Not 2016. Not 20... Man, it must be. Wait. Oh, wait, wait. Okay. Um. Ah, oh, man. It's the guy from Cleveland. It's the guy from Cleveland, right? Anthony Bennett. That's a good guess. Yeah. I, I looked up yesterday. I thought he played one year. Only. Played, okay. That, that's my only guess I got. I don't know. Who is it? I Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Oh, you're Blake right. Yeah. Griffin. Yeah. Wow. I thought it was Anthony Bennett too, but it says he only played 2012 to 13 uh, for UNLV. Wow. Yeah. Shout out yeah, to Anthony Blake. Bennett, man. <laughs> yeah, and even bigger shout out to Blake Griffin. <laughs> yes, of course, because he's the last one to do it. I wonder when the next time is going to be. I, I think it's going to be a while unless the rules change. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so next game, I love this series. We got a back-to-back. We'll talk about the first one, of course. We got Clippers-Warriors. All the ga- Both games were great to me. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> Dime likes one more than the other, but uh, the first one was 120-114. Uh, the Warriors took care of business on this one. Uh, this one was interesting for me to, to kind of watch and also, like, um, you know, kind of have the timeline open, seeing seeing the Warriors fans upset with what Curry was doing, seeing the Clippers fans uh, encouraged and discouraged and, and kind of things, you know, coming to a head there in that final quarter it didn't go down to the wire wire but you know it kind of did you know crunch time and all that so uh Don, take us through um it's up to you you can go over the whole game or just kind of focus on that fourth quarter and and how uh, golden state was able to kind of uh, squeak it out there this game really made me angry not because they didn't play hard or something but it was the duality of pg like you know we mm-hmm. talk about anthony davis and the games that he doesn't show up and stuff paul george has those games. And this is coming, you know, off of the Denver game we talked about last week where it was completely unserious. And this game, Paul just, he didn't defend. He settled for jumpers. Just a disgraceful, didn't fight over screens. Disgraceful performance by him, to be honest. Kawhi was good, but he checked in. I'm sorry, he didn't shoot. He checked in with like six and a half minutes left in the game, and he didn't shoot in a close game till there was one minute and 50 seconds left. Unacceptable. Ty Lue went with a four-guard lineup at the end of the third with Bones out of nowhere. Just threw him in there out of nowhere. It didn't actually end up being very costly, but it was just like, what's going on? And then Zubats doesn't close another close game. And Steph Curry picks on James Harden in the pick and roll. Who James Harden had a good first half. Second half, not great. Westbrook had a bad first half. Second half was pretty good. but And then Westbrook and Harden are closing again together. So that was just a bad game all the way around. Um, Clay Thompson, got to give him a shout out. It was one of his better games I've seen in a while. He was really good in the second half, and yeah, good win for the Warriors. Yeah, I'm always rooting for Clay. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, his ties with the Lakers in Los Angeles, and, and just you know, it's hard, it's hard not to like Clay. He just, he just, he just likes to shoot, man. That's all he likes to do. He gets them up, that's for sure. He gets them up, even when they're not going in, he gets them up. Um, so yeah, it was a good Clay game. It was nice to see him have one of those. And like you said, I felt like for me, it felt like there was a good Clippers game in here, but there's also a, too much of the bad Clippers game in here. It was like pockets. Like for moments, you're like, oh, here they go. Oh, yeah. What, what are they doing there? Why are they doing that lineup? Okay, is this what you're closing with? Oh, it might work. Oh, no, it's not going to work. And it was, it was kind of just like that, uh, kind of like Goldilocks. Like this is too, this this lineup's too big. This one's too small. This one's too, you know, here's this person's good half. Here's this person's bad. It just never, never got the continuity just wasn't there uh, from start to finish. and wasn't there for long stretches of time enough. And against a team like the, the Warriors, even now, 
you know, the Warriors record is obviously not great. They've been struggling, but they still have that punch. They still got those shooters. You know, it doesn't take much for them to get hot and get going. And although they didn't run away with the game, they were good enough and, and key players were good enough to get the win. And, and they're always going to, uh, until further notice, as long as Dre, uh, Clay, and Steph are on that team, they're always going to be a tough game to win, even if it is a, a game you ultimately can win in a series you can ultimately win. All right, so final Lakers game we have here is Lakers versus Houston, which is kind of becoming like a low-key favorite now uh, because of uh, Dylan Brooks and like all his antics. Um, this one was uh, at, at Crypto. They were finally home after the road, uh, the four-game road series that they just uh, you know finished. Uh, and the Lakers took care of business, 107.97. I, I was in the building covering it for uh, Silver Screen and Roll, and the energy was pretty good. It wasn't like it was higher than most regular season games, but it wasn't as high as, like, let's say the Lakers-Clippers game was. But it was just, like, a, a notch below that and below the NBA in-season tournament, but higher than, like, I don't know, a game against Memphis, let's say. Uh, and that was because of Dylan Brooks. The minute they called his name out, Dime, the booze I heard, you would think, like, Darth Vader just got announced. I was like, do you guys really hate this guy that much? Yes, they booed him very loudly his first time he touched the ball he's getting booed loudly when lebron was going one-on-one -on -one and on the crowds cheering up like they they really don't like him uh an f houston a houston sucks chant started like around the third quarter like they they don't like this guy <laughs> they don't like it and they made it known and the lakers took care of business so it's always fun when a regular season game just even has a little bit more spice to it you know again it, it's competitive that's what the sport's about so it was good to see and the lakers pulled off the win Again, got a good Cam Reddish game. He had 11 points. He's still starting even with uh, uh, Jared Vanderbilt finally back. He only played 14 minutes. So, again, they're easing him in. He looked rusty, too. He just looked – his couple shots he took weren't good. And, you know, he, he looked like a guy like what he is, like a guy who's missed the first, you know, uh, 20 games of the season, and he just got thrown in there. So they're kind of easing him in. He only played 14 minutes, but it was nice to see him kind of come back and stuff like that. And Lakers took care of business, uh, 107-97. We got the Ime controversy there with Ime and LeBron getting into it. Then Ime gets ejected. Uh, it was kind of near the end of the game. It didn't really matter, but it, it was entertaining. Uh, what were your takeaways from this uh, Laker win here? I actually didn't get to see this one because it was on a Saturday night and I was out. But I well, saw the highlights. Right. Yeah. yeah, I saw the highlights, though. And uh, LeBron's 360 layup was unbelievable. AD had some spectacular plays. The Ime stuff was obviously the – Stuff that overshadowed the whole thing. Crazy yeah. Lakers have played the Rockets three times already this season. Yep, three. But uh, that's a good win. Who would you say were your standouts? Uh, definitely, yeah. That that LeBron spin. Um, when it happened, like you know, we talked about. Hey, you know, like the uh, you know, media members aren't supposed to like we're supposed to be stoic and stuff. I won't name names, but there are definitely some people who were like, "What?" Like everyone was just like looking around. Like, did you just see? He just like spun like a freaking, you know, uh, a Beyblade right there. <laughs> like what's going on? It, it, it was pretty incredible. And the crowd just like um, every now and then LeBron, when he does a monster's dunk or something, the crowd kind of like soaks it in for a minute. And they soaked that one in for, for quite some time. Uh, that's why he got up and he did like his little spin thing and stuff. He said he didn't, uh, and LeBron talked about it uh, post game. He said he didn't even know it went in until he heard the crowd reaction. He's like, okay, it must've gone in because they're going nuts. He just kind of ended up in that situation, which is kind of how the play developed. Like, no one saw it coming. That's what made it kind of impressive. It's just like you just saw him drive to the lane, and then he jumped up, then he he spun. The two players uh, were right there, the one who was guarding him, and helped defense, and he spun past both, and then it, it, it comes off the glass, and it goes in, and he's falling on the ground. It was just like, wow, that was just an incredible play. And, you know, again, after like 21 years, you think, okay, I've seen everything. Like, what's there to do? And then 
you know, he gives you the little spin there. <laughs> and, and of course, uh, more important than all of that was, was the victory. I think that was really good. Um, and yeah, it's nice to see the Lakers kind of, you know, starting to get together. And Austin Reeves, I, I uh, wrote a feature on him. He had a great game because before the spin happened and all that, it was kind of a back and forth game. Again, Houston was up. They were up by four, I think, with like seven minutes left in the second. So in my mind, I was like, oh, we're going to be in for another like it's going to come down to the final four minutes. But no, the Lakers went on a 31 to eight run to end the first half. And that was because um, Austin Reeves went off. He scored 15 points in the second quarter alone. Uh, he only had 18 on the night. So he did all his work in the in the second quarter, but that's all he needed. He was sensational. He was magnificent. He was hitting threes. He was doing free celebrations. He was coming off the dribble. He had a he had a nice dunk on a on a LeBron James assist. That was really good. He had another uh connection with AD a couple times and they were just going. They once they hit that 31 to 8 uh run, uh they were up by double digits going into halftime and they never led by less than 10 points after that it was pretty much over after that they just maintained that lead and they took care of business so you know that that was to me the biggest takeaway is well austin reeves had probably his best game of the year and i think eventually uh not now but i think eventually he will get his starting spot back he's just too good too talented you just have to find a way to make him work with uh d'lo a little bit better this year it hasn't been as good as last year with that connection because they both kind of want the ball even though d'lo claims he's not a point guard <laughs> yeah, um, but what, you don't think you don't think it's a better balance right now what it is because lebron gets to run more pick and rolls now in the first unit i feel like since it's happened i think i think reeves is just too good and you have to kind of figure out how to play them also late in games they do play together so i think eventually the lineup would probably be d'lo Re Dilo, Austin, Vando, LeBron, AD, and I think when you start with that five, that's a really good five. The only problem is can can Reeves and uh and Dilo kind of handle those really high end guards that the West offers, like let's say Sacramento. That's going to be an issue. Uh, but I think that the the allure of how good that team can be, where you got like really four guys who can probably score thirty points, and then Vando. And then Vando being so versatile as a wing defender who can kind of switch and go big, go small. Um, I think I think that's going to ultimately be what it is. Um, but who knows? Maybe he does stay in that six-man role. He's definitely uh, played well in it. But I just think he's he's shown too many signs of being like even better that I think they're going to pair him more and more with uh, with LeBron and AD as, uh, as the season progresses. But I don't know. We'll see. It's early. I also thought he wouldn't get benched as quickly as he did, but he did. So I don't know. Manu Ginobili came off the bench. Why can't Austin Reeves? Austin Reeves is better than Manu Ginobili. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Just kidding. <laughs> no, shout out to Manu. Shout out to Manu. Uh, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> to me, this was the best game of both Lakers and Clippers this week. It was uh, Clippers again. They ran it back. They played the Warriors, but this time they got their leg back. 113-112. To me, it was the best because, one, you got the Clippers coming back. Two, your boy, Paul George. Waldo giveth, Waldo take it away. He 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 did it. He he got he got it done. He got it done. He got the job done, and he he secured the game there. Uh, so t t talk to me since you were in the building for it. What was no. the, what was the energy like? Oh, you weren't in the building for it. First game I missed. Oh, you missed this one. Oh, that's yeah. a bummer. All right. So, well, either way, tell me then, I guess you can tell me what happened with the uh, with the audience, but your experience watching it and all that, uh, Paul George hitting the game winner. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Tale of two halves. First half, we're playing too slow. It couldn't get stops. Our defensive intensity wasn't where it needed to be. 
Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were cooking us. You saw a team with movement that has chemistry and a team that has good players and uh, can get good shots on the possession, but it's stagnant. It's pick and roll ball or iso ball. Um, but second half, I think the defensive intensity was better. James Harden had another really good game. Third quarter, he he assisted or scored on 22 points um, in just that quarter alone. And I thought that Kawhi was solid throughout the game. Paul George, very good in the second half. It was just – he was still in that uh, where's Paul Doe form in the first half. And then in the second half, he was PG-13. So for him to take have the confidence to take that shot down by – two and, and walk up and hit that i've always said not always actually but i've been re- recently saying over the last year or so that Kawhi Mutt is the closer in terms of the last five minutes of the game he's our best player but the last 30 seconds i want pg with the ball because he's taller more fluid seems to you know his legs don't seem to go as quick he can just create more separation and get a bet has a higher chance of getting a, a decent look than Kawhi late in the game he's six nine like we're not really complaining about like how often does Paul George get blocked? Like the guy is his release point is high. He's six nine, long arms. Like he gets the shot off. Sometimes Kawhi just can't even create separation at the end of the game. So I think that was a, a big time. It was this and Russ? You know, Ty Lue went with a little offense defense action. He got that big rebound through the ball to Paul. Uh, I thought Russ had a had a pretty good game uh, in the second half. Brought a lot of energy, but. It was and Zubats had a really solid game as well. So good win. Clippers were down by 22 and came back. And and Kawhi started guarding Steph like the whole second half. And even though I don't think he necessarily locked him up, even though Steph was terrible in the second half, I think that was a team effort. But he definitely did better at the point of attack than Terrence did in the first half. And seeing Kawhi guard Steph Curry at this, you know, having been through everything that he has. Because I don't consider Kawhi one of the best defenders in the league anymore. Like, he's still very good, but I don't consider him one of the best in the league anymore. But when he wants to guard the best players, he can still be good. And he absolutely was in the second half. And uh, you saw that on that last possession. Steph couldn't really get by him. And we forced it out to Draymond. And for the open three, and even though he had shot well, didn't go. Big win. Clippers just 9-10 and 10 right now as we speak. 6-3 and three since Russell's moved to the bench. Six and eight overall with James Harden. So take that for yeah, what you the, will. Yeah, and the Warriors are nine and eleven. So you know things can almost be worse. You can beat Golden State. <laughs> hey man, they have championship and, uh, pedigree though. They do. They do. Um, but I think our team is better than theirs this year. Just we have more talent. Like look at James Harden might be the second best player on that team if you put him there. Wow. Oh man, that's a tough one. I. You don't think Clay Thompson is Harden? You think Clay Thompson is better than Harden? I mean, it's not about who you'd rather have. You think he's better than him right now? That's a tough one. I guess I guess I have to answer uh, that James Harden's better. I don't like that I have to answer that though. That's it, it doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> I mean, last year, what do you think? Who like James Harden did average twenty and ten for what it's worth. Clay Thompson flamed out badly against you guys, as did James Harden. But James Harden, I think, had some higher highs in the playoffs too last year. 45. Yeah, game I, have, I have to admit that. Yeah, he did. And, he and did. listen, you know me, bro. I love Clay Thompson's yeah. game. He's one of my he's my favorite warrior of all time. And I don't yeah, like you, you, you checked him in a bathroom at a restaurant once, didn't you? That's right. <laughs> That's right, dude. Clay Thompson by the sink. He was limping heavily after that injury against uh Toronto. And he's a great guy, man. Uh I love Clay Thompson. So but yeah, I think Harden's yeah, better well, than him now. And then Wiggins is really struggling, but I might want to remind people Wiggins did not play in this in either of these games, and that matters. 
Yeah, that, that definitely matters. But again, you play who's in front of you, and like you said, they still have championship pedigree, and the, the other guys were there, and you know they didn't get it done. So yeah, this was an entertaining game. It was a great game to watch. As, as someone who was a little more neutral, I just want to watch a good game. Uh, this one was a, a great one. I think it was the best game between uh, Lakers and Clippers this week. And you know, for you guys, the Clippers came out and they they got the job done. So all right, the like you said, the uh, Clippers are 19 games in. The Lakers are technically 21. And 21 is just about the halfway point. So I came up with this idea, the quarter awards. I've been doing them for the Lakers the last couple of years, kind of since I've been, you know, covering the team to, to any capacity. And the reason I did it was because, you know, I kind of got tired of people saying it's too early. It's too early. So I'm like, okay, well, when is not too early? And to me, I just, I just took the mathematical approach. I'm like, okay, well, if a team, if a season has 82 games, we just divide it in half uh, in quarters, right? four quarters, just like school is, or a lot of things are like the game basketball is four quarters, right? So the first quarter is over at 20.5. So I'm like, okay, so once for me, once the Lakers hit 21, I'm like, okay, let's just call it the quarter awards. Obviously 42 is the middle and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we get to the end. And I, I, I looked at it cause I'm like, I, this way I can kind of quickly um, dictate where I think team, the team is, where I think uh, the best players at certain uh, awards are, and just kind of see how much does it change? How much does my opinion change throughout the years? It always being the same thing and just kind of like document it, right? Same reason why they do that for grades, even though they don't count to the end. It, it's to document and to kind of track, you know, progress theoretically, yeah. which we talked about. <laughs> um, it might have been other things for other of us who, who weren't doing so hot. But so I thought let's do that with the Clippers, let's do that with the Lakers. Again, the Clippers are technically two games behind, but if we wait, then the Lakers will be even more ahead and also we won't hit it perfectly because, you know, this is a weekly podcast. So it's a little early for the Clippers, but only about like two games. So let's go ahead and get into it. So <clears throat> the way we're going to do it, we're going to talk about MVP, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Sixth Man. Now, when it comes to these uh, four um, awards, we're not saying these these players are going to win it for the NBA. We're saying if we're giving out team awards based on these uh, award names, that's who'd win it. Okay, so just in case anyone's wondering if why why do I have every Laker winning every major NBA season award? I do not. This is just the team award, and we're gonna do it for each team. So I'm gonna do both Lakers and Clippers. So it's dime, and we'll start uh, category by category, and we'll explain it. So I'll kick it off uh, for the Lakers for MVP, um, and I'll give the answer in just really really short um, description because I don't I haven't I haven't asked uh, dime. Uh, what his answers are, I don't know. So we have no idea. And he doesn't know my Clippers answers either. So we're going to kind of learn them and see which ones are the same, which ones are different. We'll talk about. So for MVP, I'm going with LeBron James. Because even though Anthony Davis might be the better player, I think the most valuable is LeBron. It begins and starts with him. So I still have LeBron as that player. Like you mentioned about uh, PG being the guy with the ball in the final 30 seconds. LeBron's definitely the guy I want with the ball and making the final shots and all of that. So I'm still going with LeBron, year 21. That's my MVP for the Lakers. Uh, who do you have as the MVP for the Lakers then? This was the hardest one of all of them, except for maybe Clippers defensive player. That was those. These were the two that I had the most trouble with because it feels like LeBron has had less bad games than AD. But then I remember, I'm like, LeBron's had some bad games too, though. It's just he can be more efficient in the games that he plays well, bad. But he's like his, de like his defense sometimes is just not there at this age. Anthony Davis, at the minimum, his defense is always pretty good. But I feel like even though – I think they're both basically equally as valuable. But the thing is when AD comes off the floor, the defense is, looks terrible. But then I think the numbers favor LeBron – uh, when it comes to the on-off stuff. So it feels like there's been some really bad runs, at least in the first 15 games or so. 
with LeBron on the bench. But I remember against OKC, it was actually with AD on the bench that OKC started taking over the game. So my answer all in all, I did go with LeBron by just a tad. But I don't know if he's actually the most valuable player on the Lakers because Anthony Davis, I think, is the only chance you guys have of being a top 10 defensive team. Like, without him, I think you would be food, not going to lie. Because the perimeter defense is not that good. Like, right now, especially, it's not that good. Vanderbilt's not there. You're really relying on Cam Reddish and Torian Prince to basically stop these elite players on other teams. And, like, AD, if he's not, if he's not snuffing out picking rolls and guarding two guys at once like he does, you're in trouble. But I, I went with LeBron. By just a tad, even with all that being said, I just think it's so close. I don't know who's actually the most valuable player on the Lakers, but right now, as far as like player of the season so far, I'd go with LeBron by just a bit. Yeah, and I think, like you said, uh, I would not shock me at all if at the end of the year we're like, oh, it's AD by like a mile. That could very well happen because all it is is the offense. And I think, I think it really comes down, like you said, to the offense because defense AD has it. And here's a here's a clear example. Even when LeBron sleepwalks, he or has a game where you're like, ah, he kind of wasn't that great today. You look at the stats and you're like, oh, he had 19 points. Okay. Like, I don't know. It felt yeah. like he had eight. And, and the difference is, yeah. And the difference is, um, here's the one stat that'll give it to you. Um, this season, um, there have been two games where um, Anthony Davis scored less than 10 points. Uh, LeBron has scored 10 or more points consecutively in 1,433 games and counting. And that's the difference. LeBron never has a game like that. It's never happened, period. And AD has that game once every three weeks. And that's the reason why I think we just give the slight edge to LeBron over AD in terms of MVP. Best player right now, I, I think that is AD. But most valuable, that value, as, we, as we've talked about in the regular NBA awards, that's, that's always kind of a little more uh, harder to define and figure out. And I think that's why we're, we're kind of struggling with that answer. But it, it's, it's close either way. All right, so for the Clippers, um, why don't we have you kick it off here? Uh, tell us who the MVP of the Clippers so far is in 19 games in. Uh, your, your mic's uh Paul George. Um, I think it's Paul George. He, I just think, has been better than Kawhi. He's averaging more points. Defense, we'll get into that. Uh, Paul George has been good. But I think he's been the more consistent player. He's been more aggressive. And he's just had more great games. So I'm going to go with Paul George. Yeah, I go with Paul George. Um, that's heavy lies the crown for him. He, he's the one who's taking the shots. He's the one who gets made fun of for the wedgies. He's the one who gets made fun of for the Where's Waldo. And he's the one who hit the, the game winner against the Warriors just this past game. He's the guy. He's the most valuable. If he's going, if he's rocking, there's going to be a lot of winning in L.A. And if there isn't, if he's not rocking, there's not going to be a lot of winning. That's who's the most valuable, the one who can dictate those kinds of scenarios because they have the ball in their hands. They're making the decisions. They're making the plays. It's not always him. It's a lot more by committee there. But when we look at all the examples, it's it's more on Paul George. And and I, and to me, it's the same thing. He's the most valuable. And if he gets going, if he's the best version of himself, uh, the Clippers are going to win a, a playoff series they weren't supposed to win because we're going to say, man, Paul George was just incredible for two weeks, and that's why they beat Team X. And I, to me, that's why uh, he's the MVP, even over Kawhi. Um, all right, so defensive player of the year. I think we're going to make this one pretty quick for the Lakers. Yeah, it's Anthony Davis. I don't even – I think it's the distance between him and second is, is quite massive. He's just – again, even when he has a bad game, he doesn't have a bad defensive game. He's blocking shots. He's getting rebounds. He's um, he's discouraging players from shooting. Uh, players are, are getting happy feet when they're driving to the paint because they're like, where is he? Where is he at? You know, let me kick it back out. 
I don't know where he's going. Is he behind me? Uh, that's who Anthony Davis is. Uh, and he's not fast enough to necessarily keep up with every single guard, but he's he can pretty much keep up with just about every single guard except the absolute elite. And I've even seen him do that against Stefan and players like that for, uh, you know, a series or two, not for, you know, a quarter or anything like that. But he's versatile enough with his experience as a guard back when he was in high school that he can keep up with them too. Yeah, I just don't think there's any other individual Laker who's putting up anywhere near the kind of defense that uh, that Anthony Davis does for the Lakers. I'm guessing uh, you agree there with that one, Dan? Yeah, not more, not much more to say. <laughs> not even close. Yeah, it's not even close. You're right. Okay, cool. So let's go ahead uh, and move on with with the the Clippers. You mentioned that it was the hardest for you. It's also was really hard for me. I thought about this and I was like. I just can't come up with an answer. I'll give you mine after I hear yours, but who do you got for defensive player of the year for the Clippers? There's not been any standout. I think the last couple of games, if it's Zubats, has been really good. I think the first couple of games of the season, Westbrook was really good. But because they – I can't give it to Zubats because he has way too many of those games where he doesn't even look like he should be a starting center in the NBA, which is insane. But he does have – those. his lows are bad. So I have to say either one of Kawhi or Paul. Then I thought about it, and because of the last two weeks or so, I went with Kawhi because Paul George against Denver and against Golden State had two absolute stinkers, and Kawhi will never play stupid defense. Like The worst that can happen to Kawhi is, oh, he doesn't have a couple bad closeouts, maybe a couple guys blow by him, and he gets lost once or twice off the ball. But for the most part, he's always engaged. And for what it's worth, even though Paul George is the guy that has a podcast and is not shy on the microphone and stuff, and Kawhi will – won't even have a social media. Kawhi communicates more on defense. It's very evident. He's always calling out for uh, switches, transition. He's always pointing. Paul George, a lot of times when we have miscommunications, he's uh, involved in it. So I think Paul George's on-ball defense is a lot better than off-ball. And so that's why I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard um, as the defender so far. Yeah, I've struggled with this one too. Um the year that Russ was on the Lakers, uh, there was one moment where I'm like, you know what? They're so bad. I put an empty chair up on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm like, the, none of you get it, even though I, I'm supposed I'm not, I, I just cannot. I almost did that this year for, for the Clippers right now because I was having trouble. But I think I'm going to kind of give a legacy uh, vote here. And I, I went with Russ because I've seen Russ just this past summer, again, be defensively engaged in, in games that matter and, and play good defense. And I think he still definitely has that in him. Um, I think you're you're probably right. If I think about it a little bit more, I probably would give it to Kawhi, but I'm going to stick with my Russ. That's what I had before uh, we started recording. Um, and I'm going to stick with Russ because, like I said, he's he's had to play different roles. He has tough responsibilities, tough jobs against against some of these bigs, this, not these bigs, these guards. And he never shies away from that challenge, especially if you push him. If you push him, you start talking smack, he'll definitely bring that energy in. And especially in high-stakes games, I think we'll see as the season goes on and, and if the Clippers make the playoffs – I, I promise you Russ is going to bring the energy needed on defense and we'll be like, oh, yeah, he's, he's forcing turnovers. He's, he's, they they got to call timeouts. They're, they're having trouble because Russ is just being a menace. So so I went with Russ right now, but I agree. It was a tough one. And uh, for anyone you'd want to give the award to, there's an argument for why you shouldn't. So hopefully as, as time goes on, the Clippers kind of establish that defense a little bit better, especially individually. Okay, so most improved. This is another one I had trouble with both, uh, with both um, teams. I ended up going with Cam Reddish because even though when you think of most improved, as you know, the award usually goes to whose points per game went higher. That's who's most improved. And uh, that's a very flawed logic because sometimes players just get uh, more opportunities or, or they just are growing normally. It's not even that much of a shock. 
but for Cam Reddish, I think it's it's a perfect example because he's most improved because he's improved in ways we did not expect him to improve. No one, I didn't hear a person when Cam Reddish was acquired be like, great, we got an awesome guard defender now on the Lakers. That's not what I heard. The the most rosy uh conversation I heard about Cam was, oh, we got a, he's a shooter, like he's a playmaker, he's he's in the perfect spot, whatever, whatever. And that's not what he's been. He's been a role player playing his role, like you mentioned earlier, getting steals, you know, getting deflections, doing the little things, you know, boxing out, fighting off the of screens, things that you just didn't, you never heard anyone talk about Cambridge like this. And that's the stuff he's doing. He's doing the hustle plays. I saw him do a play against um, um, against Houston where uh, the ball was going to go out of bounds and he hustled and he like swung it and he like was diving on the ground and he ended up passing it to the corner and then the ball rotated and we got, the Lakers got a good shot off of that. And I'm like, did I just see Cam dive on the floor for a ball to like save it? Like what's going on? Like, this is not Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is like the guy who thinks he's an all-star. Like what's happening? And he's embraced his new role and we'll see if that continues. But for me, that's why I have uh, Cam Reddish's most improved Laker. Who did you select for the Lakers for this award? I thought it was only supposed to be most improved, meaning like they were on your team last year and we've seen them improve. So I had a lot of trouble. So I, I didn't actually go with anyone for that part. So I, okay. I would agree with you. If, it, if it's about overall, you know, from no yeah. matter what team they came from, absolutely it's Cam Reddish. And for all the reasons you said, you know, for him to be relied on, relied on as this main point of attack defender, you know, he's been impressive on that end. His three balls not been bad. I'm going to go with Cam Reddish. Okay, perfect. So with the Clippers, um, what what was your selection for most improved? Yeah, nobody's really improved that much, but I would say Bones Highland before he got benched, he was looking like he improved and was going to take a leap, looked more engaged defensively. His passing was showing off a little more. He just get he was getting more comfortable, and it's sad what's happened to him in the rotation. But yeah, Bones Highland. Yeah, for me, I I also left this one blank because of the same reason. I was like, I just can't think of anyone. The closest I came to was Bones, but I'm like, he got benched. Like I don't know. I mean, you know. And then your stars are still your stars. And I, I looked up and down. I was trying to think. I'm like, yeah, they're about the same. So uh, I'm with you there. I think that's something that um, that might be. Is that something we can look at the coaching set and be like, hey, the guys aren't improving under your watch. Like, that's kind of a you thing. Like, isn't that the kind of the job of a, of a coach is to optimize players? It, could, could the fact that we struggle with this um, this award for the Clippers be an indictment on, uh, on Ty Lue and the coaching staff? What do you think? No, in my opinion, because our team is old. So, like, no one's getting better mm-hmm. except for if it's a Zubats. But I think that's more on him, man. Like, this is the first year. I've said he's gotten better every year, but this is the first year I feel like he hasn't gotten better. He's pretty much the same. However, he is trending in the right direction. So, yeah. we'll see. I, you know what, actually? I'll tell you this. there We have been asking for a couple more Zoo low post touches in the left on the left block for, a, like, two years now. He never gets any. And now that Harden's here, you're never you're never going to see that. But there's times where Zoo will have a smaller defender. And it's not like Zoo is unable to score on a smaller guy. Like, he actually has pretty good touch around the basket. So, I think to a degree with Zubots, he's the only one you can say. Um, Bones Highland was going to get those minutes. Then we made the trade, which kind of ruled him out. And Norman Powell, is his, he's peaked. Like, this is who he is. He's I think he's in his prime right now in his role. And that's about it. Mason Plumlee's been in the league for a while. You know what I mean? Daniel Tice is older. So these guys are all older. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. Good, good point. They're older. It's not going to be this much improving. Oh. The team is what it is, and it's just about maximizing what they got. I don't want to let one player off the hook. Terrence Mann, my favorite player, he's struggling immensely from three. He's completely in his own head. He's looked like he's gotten worse, but that's only because he's in his own head. He needs to get out of that funk 
start making threes. We know the other stuff he does, but if he doesn't improve that shot, it's going to really limit his ceiling as a what I call a championship level role player. But yeah, that's about it. Okay, no, fair, fair. Okay, now the final one here, uh, six man. Six man's always tricky because um, I think for well, for actually for both my answers, uh, they they might be a starter at some point again. So yeah, six I think we're gonna have the same answer. That. We're gonna have the same answer for this one. Yeah, so I have uh, Austin Reeves. Uh, again, I think eventually he will be starting again. But right now, technically, he's been on the bench more than he started. And he's been the best player on the Lakers uh, coming off the bench. I think he's the one who has the home run potential. He's the one who has the potential to score 30 and take over games and be a focal point uh, a night here and a night there. Um, maybe the third best Laker if everything goes his way. Uh, we're gonna we're finding out this year what he could be, but I think if he's gonna be a bench player, well then yeah, then he's the sixth man. Uh, do you have the same answer there for the Lakers? Yeah, Reeves to the Lakers. I think he if he stays on the bench, he could be in the sixth man of the year conversation. And then Russ for the Clippers. Yeah, same thing. Russ for the Clippers. He he had to sacrifice again. It's stated that he said that's what he wanted, or he's the one who said, okay, I got I gotta go there. You know, it's not working, and you know. He's embraced it. He's not embraced it. He's in a bad mood today. He's in a good mood today. The point is he's the one who's had to play that reduced role. And he's if he's going to play that role, he's definitely the best player coming off the bench on that team. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah, we got uh, Austin and Russ there, six man. I want to say one thing, though. He is the best player, in my opinion, coming off that bench. But look at – I want everybody to pay attention going forward, his minutes versus Norman Powell's minutes because the fit with Norman Powell next to – three stars is better because he's a catch and shoot and can attack closeouts kind of guy shoots a good percentage from three. So, you know, in the Warriors game, he got like 30 minutes. Russ got like, I want to say 19. So that's something to watch going forward. Yeah. And right now, um, again, like you said, things are changing. So we'll see. So right now, uh, Russ is averaging 26.7 and Powell's 23.7. So they're already close. If that continues to change, those numbers will flip and it'll be Norman Powell with more minutes per game. Uh, throughout the year so all right we'll check again at the halfway point hopefully both teams are near the top of the league and and uh it'll be interesting to see now that we have our original answers we can look back and be like oh i can't believe we put this or like oh this this is all changed or is it going to be the same thing and and the the team doesn't change either way now we'll know exactly where our heads were at 21 games in or so and we'll see where they're at when we when we hit the 41 which will be the, the halfway point later on this year Okay, cool. So let's wrap it up with the games going on. Uh, for the Lakers, uh, the, we're going to go in order, but the Lakers technically only have one game on the schedule. Uh, Tuesday, which is tomorrow, uh, if you're watching. Well, actually, it'll be the day you guys uh, watch it, if you watch it the, the moment it premieres. Uh, Lakers versus Suns. This is an NBA in-season tournament night, so hopefully uh, my, my clip doesn't end up going viral because the Lakers got kicked out themselves. Um, they're playing the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, the Phoenix Suns have Kevin Durant, but you know, we'll see what happens with the other stars that they have there. You know, it looks like there's they're going to be missing some guys, uh, but also they have Kevin Durant. If you have Kevin Durant, that's enough. Uh, he went up against Austin Reeves, uh, six man of the Lakers, and he told him, you can't guard me. And he told the Lakers coaching staff, put someone else on me. He can't guard me. And then uh, he got the ball again and scored on Reeves again. I'm like, wow, that's that's got to be rough for Reeves. And he talked about it after, like, I mean, I'm doing the best I can. Like I can't guard him. He's right. Like I'm, he's a seven footer and he's just like the elbows always open and he, and he keeps making it. So 
Kevin Durant's easily enough to just overwhelm and score 45 and, and beat the Lakers. So I'm definitely curious to see how this one, this game's going to go. The NBA in-season tournament games have been like elevated a little bit. They got a little more energy, like I said, and there's definitely going to be energy inside crypto uh, tomorrow. I can't wait to go and attend and hopefully uh, the Lakers win and go to Vegas. If they do win, they will go to Vegas. They'll play Thursday. I'm not sure who their opponent is because that's still being decided. Uh, if they lose, that game will become just a regular season game. I believe they'll go on the road. And again, that's also going to be decided depending on, you know, if they lost and who lost and, and the, the NBA kind of left some wiggle room for two games for this reason. So that's why the Lakers technically only have one game on paper, uh, regardless win or lose, they will play more than one game this week, but right now that's all we got. So Lakers Suns. Um, before I answer, I actually want to hear a dime dime. Who are the Lakers going to Vegas? No, the Suns are going to beat you this time because Devin Booker is going to play. I'm serious. That's my All prediction. Right. I've been I've been so good with the Lakers prediction so far on this show. By the way, I was I nailed them this week again, three for three. So you only got I'm, one I'm, shot this week. So we don't know the other teams. <laughs> I'm going with I've picked the Lakers. I don't know if I picked you guys to beat Phoenix on the road in the in season tournament game. I'm not sure if I did, but I know I, I think you, you did. Guys to, I think you did. Really? Wow. I think you did. Yeah. I know I picked you guys to beat them on the first on the home opener. Right? You played Phoenix in the home opener this year. Home opener, yes, yes. Yeah, the the Christian Wood guards Katie at the end of the game, switch everything with the Bigs game. I remember that one. Then the second one was the Cam Reddish uh, dagger. So I'm going with the Suns because, dude, Booker, people aren't talking about it enough because he just came back. But I'm, I, I'm, I've been saying it for a couple of years, but, like, you really have to – the name 10 player better players than him at this point is, like, I think it's a little disingenuous. He's so good. So we'll see. It would be a great win for the Lakers to beat the Suns three times already. Because even though they haven't had Beal, it's just nice because you never know what kind of tiebreaker situation you could be in with Phoenix later down the line. So it's going to be a good game. Should be a very good atmosphere considering what we saw within the in Indiana and Sacramento. So, yeah, I think. But I'm going to go with Phoenix. Unfortunately, I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go kind of the homer pick, but I'm also going to give you the logic why I'm going to go with uh, the Lakers. Um, uh, the, this game definitely makes me nervous. This, the Suns, I say, they're a quality team. They're uh, a favorite to win the title for a reason because they're absolutely stacked. And even when they're missing one player, uh, you know, like you said, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. Okay. I like my odds any night against anyone. If you're giving me those two, but I'll say this one, the Lakers really like this tournament. It's not just talk. They're legitimately excited about winning half a million dollars. <laughs> they, they, they are. I, it, it, as silly as it sounds, it, it has uh, increased their like desire to win these games. They've played really well. Here, here's a stat I'll give you. Through 17 regular season games, the Lakers are a minus 94 point differential. In the four in-season tournament games, they are plus 74. They love playing in these in-season tournament games. They they come up for them. They, they play up for each one. And I'm telling you one thing. Just like we saw um, – during the playoffs, just like we saw in Lakers Clippers, when when Lakers fans know this game matters, they get up for it, and they're going to get up for it. That crowd, you're going to be like, is this a playoff game? Like, I promise you, you're going to be like, what's going on? The court's going to look different. The players are going to be amped up trying to go to Vegas and, and you know, all that that can entail. And then the fans are going to be hyped about, let's go beat Phoenix. Let's go Let's go get this this cup. Let's. We're already in it. Might as well win it. Let's do it. And I think that's going to drive it enough where, like you said, the energy is going to be up there. It's going to be high. They're at home. I think they're going to they're going to pull it out. But, yeah, Devin Booker, of course, he I mean, he's literally kicked the Lakers out of the playoffs before. Um, I, I've seen him do it. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if he does it again. But I'm going to I'm going to go with the with the. Yeah, I mean, 
also Phoenix and the Lakers. I mean, they go back decades and decades of, you know, having playoff battles. So I think that will be something added to the fire as well. And also as, as far as the crowd goes, I don't know about the players, but uh, LeBron and Kevin Durant to see them play each other three times this season after the years of them not playing each other. That's pretty awesome. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's going to be a fun game for sure. It's on, it's on uh, TNT. It's at 7 o'clock West Coast time. So, yeah, I mean, it's the marquee matchup. If, if you're an NBA casual or whatever, you should you should tune in. This is going to be a fun one regardless of who wins, at least from a casual perspective. All right, Wednesday we have Clippers Denver. Uh, that's a 7 o'clock. Um, actually, no, sorry, Clippers, Clippers versus Denver, not Clippers at Denver. Clippers versus Denver, 7 o'clock ESPN. So, again, another marquee matchup here. Clippers Denver. Who you got, Dime? Are the Clippers beating uh beating the Nuggets? God, we're in such a drought against them. I'm gonna go with Denver because Jokic and Aaron Gordon are back. Uh, I won't be at that game, by the way. Again, it's gonna be my second missed game, but I, I'm going with Denver just because it's hard for me to see them see us beating them. I mean, if there is a game to beat them, it's this one. They haven't been playing their best. First of all, back. You know, we didn't beat them with Murray and I'm sorry with with Reggie and DJ. Like Jokic and Gordon added back in the mix. I don't know about that. So. But then there's the side of me that says we almost beat them in Denver with just no Murray. Who knows? But I'm going to go with Denver because it's just a safer bet. You know what? I'm going to go with Clippers. Let, let's roll the dice. Wow, they get the win. Wow. Yeah, they get okay. the win. It's it's one of those uh, it's one of those games. Not not that they don't care, but the Denver's just kind of sleepwalks. Hey, we're we're kind of reintegrating guys. The Clippers are a little bit rested. Yeah, four, yeah, yeah. Four big names like that super team. I think so. I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that there's a little bit of rust with Denver. They're not quite ready, and and the Clippers are rested. They're at home. I think they take care of business. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Clippers on this one. All right, and then the final game we have here again because the Lakers will have more games. But we do not know who that will be, so there's no point in trying to guess. It, it'd be too too hard. Uh, so the final game we have on the, on the slate is uh, Clippers at Utah. Dive oh second man. <laughs> Oh, I couldn't, even, I, couldn't even get, I couldn't even get to the bit before you responded. Yeah, Clippers at Utah, 7 o'clock, also on ESPN. So we got all, at least all official Lakers and Clippers games. They're all on national television uh, this week so far. Uh, again, Clippers at Utah, 7 o'clock, ESPN on Friday. Wow. The, the, the ESPN, you, oh, my God. We have to, might, we have to make, might make a call. Putting the Utah trash on ESPN? Are you kidding me? Hey, I'm, I'm not kidding. They're going to be on. That's because of us, by the way, Utah fans. You're on TV because of us, because we have stars Definitely. and you don't, besides Larry Markinen, who might get traded and you'll be left with nothing. Anyway. Remember what LeBron said. He's like, no one no one ever picks Utah when they're growing up playing playing, yeah. <laughs> playing video games. <laughs> you know what's weird, though? I, I, I'll Even though I think they're absolute scum, I'll actually play with the Stockton Malone Jazz on 2K sometimes. I I felt bad to even say that. That felt that felt icky to even say that. By the way, it does. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going with the Clippers, even though that's a. It's always tough playing in Utah, man. The crowd is nuts. Yeah, they go crazy. Yeah, we lost them already this season on a Jordan Clarkson fallaway three. I'm gonna go with the Clippers winning this one. Then all the Harden fans and all the people that are pro Harden are gonna say, "Well, we didn't beat the Jazz without Harden." Every game takes its own its own. identity so but i'm, I'm gonna go with the win here i know ne- yeah i'm gonna hopefully take out the trash ain't no jazz in utah never will be never was no there isn't you know there's there's no there's no jazz or people who play jazz in utah i'll, I'll leave it at that <laughs> all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna go same thing uh clippers take care of the jazz i, I, don't, I don't think the jazz win that game it will be a, a a tough crowd but um 
I wouldn't say that crowd's fickle, but if you get to an early lead, it calms down, and, and there you go. You, you, you take care of business. So I'm going to go with the Clippers actually winning both. The, I have every L.A. team winning every game this week so Ooh. far, so that'll be tough, but let's see. Let's see it happen for the Cup. <laughs> the L.A. sweep. You know, we've had a lot of nights where we've had both teams losing the last two weeks, yeah. and then we had, I think, one against – it was the Detroit and Sacramento night where both of us won. You know – Oh, and the other the, one too, the Clippers uh, – The oh, no. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, gold on Saturday, Golden State Saturday. and the late, yeah. So that would be nice. You know, if the Clippers do do what you say, win their two games, they're finally going to be over 500 for the first time since three and two. That's wild. There you yeah. go. All right, let's see it. Everything by the way, up. by the way, the, the New Orleans Pelicans, as, a, as of this recording, have just beaten Sacramento. So that means that they're going to be the finalists representing the West in the semifinals against the Lakers. So it's going to be if the Lakers win. So the winner of Phoenix and Lakers is going to play New Orleans. So that'll be interesting. You know, this is reminding me, you know what, with Indiana winning and now New Orleans winning a game, this is reminding me of like, for anyone that watches soccer, like, like the Carabao cup, like, thank you. It's, it's like, but not, I'm not saying the FA cup because the FA cup is a little bit bigger. It it feels like a Carabao cup where like the smaller team, like the, you know, Wigan athletic could sneak in and maybe get the championship. Newcastle's putting up some hardware. Basically, yeah. Well, see, we have a Newcastle now is in the Champions League. You got that that money. You got that old money now. Sorry, Crystal Palace would have been a better. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Something like that, like Crystal Palace winning the Carabao Cup, Indiana Pacers, or um, what's it called? New Orleans Pelicans, like teams that have no shot, no offense, to win the championship this year. Sure, New Orleans. I think New Orleans is a chance to win a series. Honestly. If they're fully healthy. They have a chance to if win. They're fully series. healthy, yes, because of Zion. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they're great. And they have yeah. and they have Herb. Well, now that Trey Murphy's back, like Herb Jones, they have a really good team. Indiana Who's the other player they, they just that that was injured just came back for the Pelicans. Yeah, Trey Murphy. No, so there's another one. It's not Trey Murphy. No, CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. they got a squad. Like I'm saying, a yeah. couple players have been out, and they have a couple stars in in Bi and and Zion. So yeah, they. I can see it. I can see it if they stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana, I don't think they're going to win. A, I think this is the year that they break into the playoff scene. Like, they'll get in as an eighth or seventh seed, potentially. They'll have to beat a team like the Nets East or something. Tough, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, tough. Or the Atlanta Hawks. But I, I got them. I don't know if I'll have them make. I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Before the season, I, I had them as, like, my uh, – I think I had them as the ninth seed. Mm. I think, no, I think they were my 10, actually. They're my 10, but – from the looks of things, they might finish higher. Halliburton's playing insane. So, yeah, it's like teams that are probably not going to go that far have a chance to do something special, and, that, and that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the 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 NBA in-season tournament has done what it's supposed to do. Take the hype from the beginning of the season and just let it drag on a little bit more, get us to the holiday, and then after that we go through. And, yeah, again, it's it's only adding one extra game to the calendar, it, and it gives these games spikes. You saw that if, if today's game – was not an NBA in-season tournament game, I wouldn't go on that Celtics rant. The Pacers wouldn't have been jumping up and down when they hit. They, it would have just been a regular game. Yeah, it no, would not have I that was, energy. This is how I put it. I think – so I was at both of the Clippers in-season games in the group stage, and I'd say group stage just felt like a, a marquee regular season game. But these yeah. knockout games felt like like a playing atmosphere from what it seemed like on yeah. TV. So that's good. That's a, that's awesome. If those knockout games can become something something great, that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, it's what we've all been talking about. We want the, the regular season to matter more. Does it solve all 82? No, but it solves a couple games. It solves a couple weeks. And next year, maybe that means the group stage games get even more animated because players realize, oh, 
I saw that. I wanted to be a part of that. Okay, now actually, you know what? The group stage, I'm going to take it even more serious. And and that's how you build that thing that soccer's already done where people understand Champions League. They understand FA Cup. You know, the, the players get it. Everyone understands uh, the hierarchy and when they want to go for trebles and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the NBA can start to kind of implement a, a little bit of that here. And I think that's good because that means that uh, more regular season basketball is going to matter. Oh my so, God! All right, we're gonna we're gonna start saying NBA teams won the double. They won the NCAA the tournament and the, and, the, and the championship. Oh yeah, we God. need we need we need to just create a treble. Maybe like uh like you know how we talk about the world champions thing. Oh. If we can just find a little tournament was, that we can do. I, I was gonna say, man, let's get the, the the champions of each each uh the Spanish league, the the, the Greek league. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Real, we can find out who the, the, the Trey Lyles champion. We, we Not Trey Lyles. No, no, Lyles. Yeah, the Noah Lyles Cup. That's what we call it. Yeah, yeah, we have. Look, we have. I already got the vision. We have that. If we can do it, like in after All Star break or before, or even like that week of, then boom, you could have the 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 team's goal. Your first goal is going to be to get the NBA in season tournament. Then it's the holiday break. Then you want to get the the Lyles Cup, and then you go for the title, and then boom, that's that's the trifecta right there. But see, not every team could compete in the Lyles Cup. That's the thing. Maybe, maybe. Oh, you know, what we could just do just well, elite teams. Right. The winner. Exactly. We got this right. Yeah. Uh, the way you the if you make the NBA finals, you're, you're if, the, if the NBA has four slots two go to the East and West champions. Right. And then the East one goes to the one, one goes to. Yeah, you can do that. Or you could do two of those. And then the automatic ones for whoever won the NBA in-season uh, tournament the year before. And then you can figure out the, the fourth one. Maybe it's like uh, a team who's won their division who or, you know, tiebreaker. Who has the highest record in the current season? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, who who doesn't already qualify? So there you go, and boom! Look, we just we just solved the NBA's entire problem. Like in the last five minutes, this is podcast. <laughs> Soccer was the answer. Who knew? Wow, the beautiful game. All right, <laughs> coming to the states this summer, Copa America. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be exciting. Yeah, so that's gonna be so exciting. far. Just, so far, just got announced as a venue, so that's gonna be awesome, man. And Messi's still playing for Argentina. This is a special thing. Oh, Brazil just got announced as a team that's going to be playing, and your uh, Mexican team is going to be playing. At yeah, Copa America's, Copa America's got like that's like the the premier tournament here. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. No, but that's first. We don't get to ever host it. You're thinking. Of, I think you're thinking of the Gold Cup, Copa Oro. This is a special occasion that we're getting to host this. It was no. I'm saying. I'm saying on this side of the hemisphere, not not the. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is the big yeah. one, right? Like we don't have Euro two. We don't have the Euro. We have Copa America. Is but you're right. Uh, the, uh, the North American side doesn't yeah, the South America is the Euro Cup, so the fact that Mexico, exactly. USA, yeah, USA, Mexico are participating and we get to host it like we did eight years ago, it's gonna be special, so yeah, and it's good competition because no offense to the gold cup, but we know the gold cup's really just yeah. USA versus Mexico compared yeah. to Copa America. You got you got those Argentinian teams, you got you got um Brazil, you have all those you know, Peru, there's way more competition at a higher level. No offense to like Trinidad and Tobago and like you know, Cuba. And, all that stuff, El Salvador. So yeah, it's a good test for both uh, USA and Mexico because they're also going to host the World Cup. So it's good. Okay, this is top right. level competition. How are you doing, and how's your progress towards uh, representing yourself well for that World Cup? So that's good. Yeah. Speaking, by the way, a couple shout outs before we end. LA yep. Rams back to five hundred. Both, you know, that's our team. Back to five hundred, two straight wins. Yep. And then, or is it three straight wins? It's three. Three straight wins. Yeah. Shout out Puka Nakua. Breaking records. Kareem and LeBron were at the game. And then, yeah. uh, shout, big shout out, Andre Kopitar, leading assists or all-time leader in assists in Kings history. So I got to give him a shout out. Just just passed uh, Marcel Dion. So 
Shout out to uh, Kobe for sure. All right, fantastic. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, that's the end of episode seven of Basketball on Figueroa. I'm Aaron Garcia. And that was Darian Vaziri, a.k.a. Dime Dropper, and we are out.